So as we mentioned a moment ago, this Sunday begins our journey through the sacred season of Advent, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. It's a season that is all about preparation, about anticipation. It's about waiting, waiting for the inbreaking of God that comes to us always in the most surprising and unsuspecting of ways. And we lean into this season with an anticipation that is marked with both hope but also with longing. And as Christians, the good news that we strive to live by, to live out, to declare is that love is stronger than hate, that peace is more enduring than war, than hope is more powerful than despair, and that the light of God's love will cast shadows, cast shadows cast by suffering and sorrow, by hate, by loss, And we need that now more than ever, don't we? In the shadows of not one but two wars, we are a congregation, a community that is still reeling from a horrible accident that has caused unspeakable loss to a family that we know and love. And that loss has rocked not just University Christian Church, not just Horn Frog Nation, but the entire community of Fort Worth. We need Advent this year more than ever. Our theme this sacred season is unwrapped. And over the next several weeks, we're going to focus on some of the surprising gifts that come to us if we're able to to be patient, to be still, to pay attention. And our lens this year is a little bit differently Typically, we, when we think of Advent, we think of Mary and Joseph and the angel Gabriel. But in the Gospel of Luke, the first couple that we meet are Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're the first ones that we encounter in the Advent narrative. And so they're going to be our guides this year as we journey through Advent. Because they have a lot to teach us about the pain of unanswered prayers. About the power of simplicity and silence about the blessing of life-giving relationships and the promise of God to make a way when it seems that no way is possible. There is a lot to learn from them about a genuine faith journey with all of the trials and the surprises that they encounter in their attempts to live out in authentic faith in the light of God's love. So in this text that we're about to hear, we're going to first meet Elizabeth and Zachariah and we're going to hear about their faithfulness But we're also going to hear about their deepest longings and their unanswered prayers. So I invite you to hear this word from Luke's gospel. From the gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
So I think if you were going to describe Elizabeth and Zechariah, you might refer to them as salt of the earth type of people. They were good, God-fearing type of people, that, the type of folks that we might imagine being everybody's favorite, the ones that everyone would adopt as their unofficial grandparents. They were wonderful people, good, God-fearing people recognized by their family, by their community as, as devout, as faithful. Zachariah, as we heard a minute ago, belongs to the esteemed priestly order. He works in the temple. And Elizabeth is a descendant of Aaron, who was Moses' second in charge. And they have lived this rich, fulfilling life, always doing the right thing, living the right way, treating people the right way. And they lived quiet, faithful lives. And they were the type of people that, that you hope that you would want for them to live lives of, of great joy, satisfaction. But I'm not sure that they did. Because in all of this, despite the way in which they lived their lives, they didn't have children. We we're told that Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And this just doesn't seem fair, does it? in part because of the way they lived their lives, but also, also their very names reveal the character of God. Zechariah means Yahweh remembers. And Elizabeth means oath of God. Their very names attest to God's faithfulness. And yet, and yet, they patiently served God, they lived righteously before God, we heard, keeping to the ways of the commandments and enjoying a, a clear conscience before God. They were good, salt-of-the-earth type of people. Now, I know it may seem a little strange. It's, it seems a little hard for us to imagine that we're going to start out the Christmas season by, by talking about how unfair life is. But we know that to be true, don't we? We know that life is unfair. We've learned that at some point in our life, that life is unfair. And if we have had any reminder of that in the last couple of weeks, we have been reminded in a very painful way just how unfair life can be. In that same way, life has been unfair to this devout couple. And unanswered prayers and, and these unnecessary burdens have found a presence in their lives. Now, it's important for us to remember that, that to not have children at that time in that culture meant not just a great disappointment, lost hopes, but it also would have meant in that time, in that culture, it would have been a personal disgrace that would have come with a, a sense of shame. Because a priestly couple with no children, that's not a good thing. It was seen as a divine disgrace so you can imagine what that meant for them socially, not just the awkwardness of, of getting together with other couples and, and being surrounded by all of their children, but, but this was supposed to be a good, righteous family. And so not having children, it, it made them suspect. It was not the ideal picture of a godly family. In those days, infertility carried with it the insinuation of sin. She might as well have been wearing a scarlet S on her cloak. And by now, they were in advanced years. 
And so for them, all hope for children is gone. That door has been closed. And they were left with nothing but, but deep questions, hard questions. Questions like, are they, are they being punished? Where is God in all of this? So I can hear them now in the quiet of the night. What have we done, God? We have given you everything. We've lived the right way. We've been obedient. We've been righteous. We have done everything. And the one thing that we've asked for, the one thing that we have prayed for, can you relate to that in any way, shape, or form? Have you ever asked questions like that? Maybe not over issues of infertility, but, but something else. Something big, something profound. Have you ever wanted something so much and you have hoped for it and you have longed for it and you have prayed for it, but it never came to pass? And so you start to wonder if maybe God has forgotten you. And you carry those unfulfilled hopes with you. Several years ago, I was going through a very difficult time, and I was struggling with these very same questions. And I stumbled upon, at that time, an article entitled Endless Advent. And it talked about how Advent is a time of waiting, and there are times in our lives when it feels like Advent, whatever we may be waiting for, whatever it is that we may be waiting for, that we might be preparing a place for, it feels like that waiting has no end. Waiting for the test result to come back. Waiting for the phone to ring with that job offer that we've wanted, that we so desperately needed. Wondering if, if there's ever going to be a special someone that comes into my life that I can share life with. Or maybe, maybe you're waiting for your spouse to stop drinking. For your child to come home. And in those moments, we wait. We we don't just wait and long for the result, but also, also for the waiting to be over because the, the waiting, the not knowing, is excruciating. Do you ever feel like you are in your own endless advent? Well, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they'd been faithful. They'd done all the right things. But the one thing that they wanted, the one thing that they waited for, it never came. And they had lived so long with those unfulfilled hopes, those unanswered prayers. Instead, those prayers had been replaced with questions. What did we do wrong? Has God forgotten us? Where is God So as we make our way through Advent, this time of hope, this time of anticipation, it might be good for us to start, to start by admitting that, that there are times in our lives when we struggle, that there are some places in our lives that, that hope has died, that there are places in our lives when we've waited so long and we have prayed every day for something, for something, that, that something to move, something to change, for something to happen what are those places in your life where hope may have died? Is it in your faith journey that maybe you have thought at some point by this time in my life that I'd have a, a stronger relationship with God, that I'd feel closer to God, a, a better connection, that I'd be able to hear God, maybe even just feel God. But yet year after year, 
You struggle and, and you've got to admit it. You don't even expect change anymore. And you, you keep showing up on Sunday morning, but just, just out of routine. Because it's what I've always done. And so you've sort of stopped expecting God to work in your life. Or maybe it's in your family and you've hoped for peace and harmony and, 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 and now you've gotten to the point that you're just willing to live with a discord because you've just lost so much hope that anything else might ever happen. Or maybe it's in your career and you've been praying that things would get better and, and maybe you just thought that by this time in your life you'd, you'd be in a better place. You'd be in a, a different place and it's just not working out that way. Or maybe it's your children, and you've been praying for your children because, well, they haven't turned out the way that we had hoped. And you worry about their lives, and, and after, after a while, you come to realize that it's no use. They're never going to change. Enuma Okora once said, Who among us has not struggled with unanswered prayers? who have not lived with the longing of unmet desire, who has not feared that our community would judge us based on circumstances that are beyond our control or based our, our self-worth on the, on the oftentimes compassionless standards of society. Who among us has not struggled with unanswered prayers? Zachariah, Elizabeth, they know, they know something about longing and waiting. They had dreamed, they had prayed about having a child, but they had given up on that hope long ago. And they know something about the difficulty of maintaining faith and hope in the shadow of unanswered prayers. Well, the first theme of Advent, this very first Sunday of Advent, the theme of Advent is hope. And, and we lit a moment ago the candle of hope and we sang a moment ago about the hope of God and we could use a little hope, couldn't we? Anne Lamott, who we just finished a series on some of her works, she said one time that, that she heard a, a preacher say that hope is a revolutionary patience. A revolutionary patience that hope begins in the dark and that stubborn hope that if you just show up, that if you just try to do the right thing, that the dawn will come. And you wait, and you watch, and you work, and whatever you do, you don't give up. You see, that is the work of Advent. That is the work of Advent, to cling to hope, to not give up, to lean into the promise that God isn't done working in our world, that God is not done working in our lives. I was with the Muckleroy family this last week. And at one point, Harold, Zach's dad, Judson and Lindsay's grandfather, asked me if I knew the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And I said, yeah, Harold, not only do I know it, it's, it's one of my favorites. And he asked me if I knew the story behind it. And I told him that I thought that I remembered, I, I remember reading about it, but I went and looked it up just to refresh my memory. It's, it was written by Horatio Spafford, who was born in 1828, just outside of Chicago. And Spafford was a, a successful lawyer. He was a, a business owner in Chicago, and he was active in his church. He taught Sunday school in his Presbyterian church every Sunday. 
but in 1871, there was a great fire in Chicago. We, we all know the story. We can sing the song. He was, a, he was a business owner. And in that fire, not only did it kill 300 people, not only did it leave 300,000 people homeless, it also destroyed much of his property and much of his business. And yet, despite all of that financial loss, the Spaffords decided that they were going to, to demonstrate the love of Christ, and they opened up their home, and they started assisting anyone and everyone in the midst of their grief. They were a salt-of-the-earth type of family. Well, two years later, in 1873, the Spaffords, including Horatio, but also his wife Anna and their four daughters, they were set to take a trip across the Atlantic to England. They were going to help out with a, a church revival. They were going to help D.L. Moody spread the good news of Jesus. But at the last minute, just as they were getting ready to board, something came up in terms of his business. And so he just sent on his family to go on without him, and he would catch the next ship in a couple of days. But while crossing the Atlantic, however, on November 22nd, 1873, the ship that his wife and four children were on, it collided with another ship. And in the midst of that, Anna gathered the children together on the deck, and as the, the boat started to sway, they prayed that God would spare them. They prayed that God would spare them or at least make them willing to endure whatever awaited with them. But within 12 minutes, the ship sank. All four daughters went down with it. Miraculously, though, their mother was spared. She was rescued. And she went on, and from the ship that rescued her, she sent a now famous telegram that simply said, Saved alone, what must I do? Well, Spafford received the telegram, and he booked passage on the next available ship, and he left to join his grieving wife. And at one point, about halfway across the Atlantic, the captain called Spafford to his cabin and pulled out a map and said, it was right here, right here where we are, right about now, where your daughter's ship went down. It was right here. He went back to his cabin that night and he thought about his daughters and in that moment words of comfort and hope they, they filled his heart and his mind and in that moment he wrote when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know it is well it is well with my soul about as powerful of a hymn as you will ever sing, one that proclaims faith in the midst of sorrow and tragedy. Russ, Harold said, November 22nd was the date that Zach and Judson and Lindsay died. It was 150 years to the date that Spafford's children died, giving birth to that beautiful hymn. Friends, I don't believe in coincidences. 
I don't believe in coincidences. As one person once said, coincidences are simply when God chooses to remain anonymous. But what I do believe is that Advent is the season that reminds us that, that good things, that beauty, that hope can be born out of our unanswered prayers. That hope can be born in the midst of our broken lives, in the midst of our shattered dreams. And maybe, maybe we can't always say that things are good. That not all is well with our lives. There will be storms that we have to face. There will be tragedies. Unexplainable tragedies, but with faith in a loving God, trust in God's divine help, we can confidently say that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the hardship around us, it is well. It is well, maybe not in our lives, but in our souls, it can be well. Advent is a time to rekindle hopes, to dust off our faith, and to get it working again. So church, is there any place in your life that has grown dark, closed, cold? Any part in your life that you need to invite God into to expect that God might still move? Because Advent is the time when we trust that God has not forgotten us. That things may not be what we had in mind. That life may not quite be what we envisioned it to be, but but yet we can trust, we can believe, we can know that God isn't finished yet. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know as well, as well with my soul.